Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to find out about their life, career, and the eight Desert Island beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them. This week, I sat down with the incredibly talented Erica Gerards. You might not know her name, but you definitely know what she's done. Erica was one of the founders of Frank Body, the coffee scrub beauty brand that's gone on to revolutionise the beauty space and make millions in the process. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. At just 29, Erica has done more than most people do in a lifetime, including founding a content agency, writing a children's book, opening a cafe, and launching two unique and successful beauty brands, including her latest baby, Fluff. Now, Fluff is unlike anything else you'll find in the beauty world, and no, there's not a spot of millennial pink in sight. Erica welcomed me into the very cool Fluff showroom come office in Melbourne. We covered a lot in this interview, talking broadly about career, forging your own path, the logistics of launching a business, and the problems with the beauty industry as it currently is. We also talked about her decision to leave Frank Body and launch Fluff, why Fluff is so different, to the point of encouraging people to wear less makeup, you know, which is quite ironic for a makeup brand, why she swapped millennials for centennials as her ideal customer, and much more. She's got such an interesting story, so I hope you find our chat as fascinating as I did. Before I jump in, I'd just quickly like to say thank you so much for all the support for Beauty Island so far. It's crazy to think that you're listening in Australia, the UK, Vietnam, Canada, Sweden, France, and the United Arab Emirates. I really, really appreciate every listen, recommendation, and Instagram story share. If you do enjoy the podcast, it would be amazing if you could subscribe, rate us five stars, and even write a review. It really helps other people find the podcast. But now, enough of me. On to my chat with Erica. Enjoy. I'm Erica Gerrard, and I have started a brand and a company called Fluff, which is a casual cosmetics brand. And you are how old? 29. 29. Looking at your resume, and that's just the things that you've spoken about before, you co-founded content agency Willow and Blake, you're one of the co-founders of Frank Body, you've got Fluff, you owned a cafe, mm-hmm. Little Big Sugar Salt mm-hmm. in Abbotsford, and you've written a children's book. Yeah. Is that all right? <laughs> yes. When you hear is. that back, does it like does it feel to you like you've achieved a lot? It feels as though I have done a few different things uh, that have make no sense together, and especially make no sense when I think about doing a journalism degree and where I wanted to be when I finished university. But over the last say nine, ten years. It feels like, it feels right. It feels like a progression and it feels like what I was meant to do to get to where I am now. So you studied journalism. Mm -hmm. When you finished your degree, what did you envision your career would look like? Because I imagine it didn't look like this. So I had wanted to be a writer since probably year 10 in high school. And I was really interested in people. And I still think that that is my main kind of purpose or passion, if you will. And I imagined that I would move to Sydney and work through all of the magazines. Uh, I was really interested in feature writing or profiles, lifestyle writing. And I went to university, studied journalism, all the different types, and 
what that degree taught me was that I didn't want to be a journalist. I just didn't have the love for it. I felt as though there was a lot of pressure to be published from such a young age, but with no actual, I guess, road to how you do get published in the first place. So I was a little bit disheartened, but I knew that I still loved writing and it was actually quite a fortunate series of events that led me to get my first job, that led me to start Willow and Blake, that led me to co-found Frank Body and then get to where I am today. So what was your first job out of university then? So I got offered a job at a marketing agency in Melbourne called Cassette just as I was finishing my degree and that happened because uh, my friends Bree and Jess, who I co-founded Will and Blake and Frank Body with, we were living together at the time and we all wanted to be writers at one point in time and it was sort of a side little hobby for each of us and cassette had a competition to build a website and you had to enter by writing in 25 words or less what your idea was and why you should win so we entered that and the managing director contacted me on facebook and he said that he loved the way i had written the entry so much and that they were looking for a copywriter and someone to run their social media and would i be interested in coming in for an interview So I was 21 at the time and I didn't even know what social media or a copywriter was. It was when social media was really just picking up for businesses and I was just so stoked that someone was offering me a full-time job. So I went along and I remember saying to him, I only have articles about eggs because I was writing about food at the time. I had no, nothing to show him, no published work, but he was amazing and and offered me the job and I stayed there for almost two years before I left to start Willow and Blake. And we will get on to Willow and Blake, but obviously you're on Beauty Island. The whole idea Mm -hmm. is that you talk us through the eight beauty products that have some special memory or significance to you. And I have to say, I looked at your list and I absolutely loved it. I mean, there are some incredibly natural or low maintenance products and then there are some very I don't know, niche brands. So you're not going to find them in your local price line necessarily, some of your chosen products, which I love. Are you, what is your beauty taste? Are you adventurous with your products? Are you the kind of person that finds something you love and you kind of stick with it? I'm definitely a creature of habit, but I'm not opposed to trying new things. And it's why I think the beauty industry is so amazing in that all it takes is for me to sit across the room from you and see your eyes and say your mascara is amazing what are you wearing and then go out and buy it and try it and see if it's better than my own but I would say that I have a pretty low maintenance approach to makeup and that's it's changed over you know the last probably 10 years since I was a teenager now I'm at this really comfortable stage not wearing makeup and then wearing makeup and that's really I think the ethos of what we're trying to do at fluff as well is build this idea around made up, not made up, being comfortable with a little bit on being comfortable with more on but never being defined by the makeup that you're wearing. But I've become really interested in natural products and natural skincare since obviously having Frank Body and and now trying to create a space in the cosmetics industry, especially in Australia, for a cool brand that also champions natural products. And speaking of natural products, the beauty product that you would trust with your life that's not necessarily glamorous or trendy but does the job and does well, you've said coconut oil. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. It's just the best. I have a jar that moves from my kitchen to my bathroom and I cook with it. I just eat spoonfuls of it. I put it really? in yeah. I put it in my coffee. I put it in my hair. I use it as a moisturizer. 
it's amazing and I just I love that I know exactly obviously what it is it's one ingredient I find it works wonders for my skin and over summer when I have developed a base tan I use it just as a sunscreen so it's pretty amazing it's never let me down yeah I mean are you just churning through tubs or they last a while I have big jars in my house yeah I get a bit lazy in winter which is probably the opposite of what I should be doing Um, but in summer I go through so much so you worked in the industry for about two years and then decided to go out on your own with co-founders your friends well why did you decide to go out on your own after really not that long in the industry yeah we were very young and I always say naively optimistic about our abilities and what we could do but I think no one could really take away our work ethic and that we really wanted to create something different and were willing to do whatever it took. So at the time I was working at Cassette, Jess was working in PR and Brie was working in editorial and we noticed that there was a gap for an agency in Melbourne that was purely written content. So at the time you had PR agencies and design agencies but no writing agencies and we really wanted to fill that gap essentially. We were so in love with words it was just all we wanted to do and we didn't care if we were being paid next to nothing in the beginning but we just it was our dream that if we could be paid to write all day every day that that would be amazing what kind of clients were you working with was it was that where the beauty angle came or was it all I think the beauty stuff probably came just because we were three young girls and people kind of put us in that basket but Willow and Blake really serviced a lot of different clients across several industries. So we were doing writing for hospitality, writing for fashion, for beauty, writing for tech, um, writing for small businesses and bigger companies. It was really broad and it allowed us to learn a lot about our writing styles, like what was Willow's writing style and then how we could create individual voices for brands and businesses. And I think it, it took off our, our writing style really lent itself to digital content and to social media. And then we found ourselves moving from project copywriting, so just your marketing brochures or your websites, to developing a tone of voice for brands and then rolling that out across all of their assets and ongoing across their social media. And obviously the common theme, you're in your early 20s and launching a business. Were you always kind of business minded or has it very much been a learn on the job in terms of the business aspects of things because it's not just writing so much learning on the job we really uh just threw ourselves into it had no idea about uh, the back end of businesses and accounting and tax it definitely wasn't what we were into but uh, we learned a lot and even I'm still learning a lot with fluff and I feel lucky to have some great people on my team but with Willow we just we knew that we were okay writers and that we could tell people's stories uh, or a brand story in a in a different way and that was what we wanted to put out there and we I remember contacting everyone on my Facebook friends list who I knew had a business and saying that we would write for free just to kind of get our work out there and word of mouth was the best thing for us at Willow and Blake and we slowly grew a client base in Melbourne in Australia and then we ended up having overseas clients contacting us, which was amazing. I'm still so proud of what we created there and what the girls are continuing to do. Your second product that you are taking with you to your island, or the island that I'm 
cruelly sending you off to, is your favourite perfume. Now, this is an interesting one, and I have to admit, I had never heard about it before. I know, I didn't want to tell you because it's my secret. (laughs) Now everyone's going to steal it. (laughs) But can you tell me what it is and why you love it? Yes, so it's by a brand called Nasamato, and the fragrance is Black Afghano. I've been wearing this for maybe six or seven years now and I don't know anyone who wears it. I've maybe met one person who's recognised it and it's in this beautiful square small bottle. It's a black liquid and it has this amazing intricately kind of carved wooden lid and it's from this incredible nose who has released about maybe eight or nine other scents. This one actually has notes of hash in it, which makes me laugh. But I've been stopped on the street wearing it every time I get into a cab. The taxi drivers ask me what perfume I'm wearing. And it's really beautiful. I like to think that you should wear a perfume as opposed to a perfume wearing you. And no one should really come up to you and be like, oh, you're wearing... Mark Jacobs Daisy or oh you're wearing black afghano people should ask what are you wearing it smells amazing and not be able to put their finger on it which is what I love about this perfume it has so many layers and it's just it's so intriguing it's probably polarizing for some people because it's very um it's it's kind of strange and weird and kind of darker spicier leathery notes but I love it and it it just feels like a piece of me and so many of my friends say that it I can walk into a room or they can go into a room and know that I've been in there because it smells like that perfume. That's amazing and that's one of my favorite things about beauty products behind the whole concept of Beauty Island but particularly perfume how strongly you it's associated with with someone and to find one that you feel you smell it and you feel like it's an expression of you is really special yeah I've never understood I mean each to their own but how some women have several perfumes because I just find that that perfume spoke to me and now when I smell anything else I can appreciate it but it doesn't feel like me and I love that people remember it and I think if I was wearing different scents every day there wouldn't be one that felt like me and how did you actually discover it I was in New Zealand with my boyfriend at the time and we went to World, which is an incredible store, and they have an amazing perfume section. And we were trying lots of different things and and the girl in the store kind of showed us Nasamato's range and I was just drawn to black Afghano straight away. Black's my favourite colour, I just kind of anything around that. And I I loved it and I remember thinking this is really bold and full-on for me because I was probably 21 or 22 at the time and had never really been drawn to a specific perfume before and I just I kind of took a risk but it I never looked back. You mentioned and I'm sure that there are a few people in Australia if not the world that haven't heard of Frank Body. <laughs> yeah. um, it's such an incredible story but I think one of the most interesting things is is it kind of came from very humble, very simple beginnings, the whole concept. Can you tell us about how it got started? Yeah, it's such a different experience now, launching Fluff and thinking back on how we started with Frank. So we had Will and Blake at the time and it had happened that we were working with numerous beauty brands. As I mentioned before, we understood the market, we were the target audience, we knew how to write for these brands. And we 
noticed again another gap um, particularly on social media for a beauty product because there were certain accounts or I guess brands and profiles that were doing really well and it was all focused around beauty fitness and lifestyle and we had a friend who had an e-commerce business that had done really well via social media and so we knew that we wanted to play in that space and we'd been running social media accounts for different clients and seeing it do well for them and we wanted essentially to try and do that for ourselves have the money go straight into our pocket as opposed to somebody else's and it was also a brand challenge probably first and foremost in that we wanted to see what we could create when there was no budget restrictions and also no restrictions in terms of fear of a client putting a specific message or campaign out there. So it was actually our other co-founder Steve's idea for the product. He worked or he owned several cafes in Melbourne and at the time he had some women come in and ask for the leftover coffee grinds to use as an exfoliator. And that kind of piqued his interest and he came back to Brie, um, his partner, and, and mentioned this idea of a coffee scrub and asked if she'd heard of it before. And it was at the time probably an old wives tale it was like oh that's kind of weird you mix it in a bowl it's the coffee grinds of course like that makes sense it must be a good exfoliator but there was no one on the market packaging it branding it in a cool way and selling it via social media so for us the biggest expense was going to be our time we weren't subject to minimum order quantity of a manufacturer we could make it by hand and we did in bowls out the back (laughs) of steve's cafe and we really thought that perhaps it could only make us a couple of hundred dollars on the side. And we were like, what have we got to lose? We invested somewhere between five and seven grand just getting the initial kind of uh, ingredients, a website off the ground, a very, very basic logo and basically some small PR efforts. And we put a lot of time into seeding it with, I guess you could call them influencers back then, but it was just recognizing girls that were having important conversations and having genuine referrals in the beauty space. And within a month, it, it really took off. It blew all of our minds at how quickly it grew. Because, I mean, we hear the term overnight success with mm. a lot of businesses nowadays, particularly with social media. And I mean, I'm sure it wasn't an overnight success because like you said, there were plenty, like lots of hours of hard work, but it did grow quickly. Yeah, of course. I mean, that term is so funny because you could say, yes, it was a success in a month, but that month's success was a product of could be five, seven years in the marketing advertising industry. And that's what I, I do really like when people say that, that it took, say, 10, 12 years to be an overnight success. Um, but that's the power of social media and it's the power that it still holds today, even though the landscape has changed so much since we launched Frank Body. As you mentioned, social media, as it was kind of was kind of the start of what we're seeing now when Frank Body was starting, you were obviously on the money, very clever with it all. A lot of, I feel like a lot of recognition for Frank Body was actually a lot of customers, the way that you the tone and the way that you'd set it was customers were willingly mm. I mean taking pictures in the shower using the product yeah, which still crazy thinking about that I think there's over a hundred thousand tagged images under the frank effect of people covered in coffee grinds and it was it was just this very very strange 
time, I guess, where people uh, were interested in this product that they'd never heard of before. It was a novelty and a, a reason for them to participate in social media that was just taking off that people were still really trying to understand. So despite the fact, or I mean, we worked very hard to get Frank off the ground, but we can all acknowledge that it was the right time, the right place, the right product, the right price point. We had a lot of things working in our favour. Do you think the same could happen again? Or do you think social media, the beauty industry, has just moved on so much from them in terms of the rapid, the rapid growth? I think that the same can happen, but just at... It takes a lot more money for it to happen at that speed. So it's a really interesting and frustrating but amazing uh, thing to be experiencing uh, the, or comparing Fluff's growth to Frank. I mean, they are different products, different price points, even different audiences. But I think that social still has so much potential and influence. Beauty influences still have incredible power, but it is at a much higher um, price and I think that organic growth is so much slower obviously uh, just the landscape is totally different you now have to pay to play um, with the algorithms on both fa Facebook and Instagram there are so many more brands online so you have to really shout to be heard I think that every single campaign and pun and tagline has been used it's very hard to come up with anything clever these days and I think the the best campaigns I have seen are those that are really simple I, I can't really see or stand to see another product that's been personified or another brand that's millennial pink like I think we really have run out of ideas and that the industry is quite stale but then when something new or different does come along people don't really know how to react or respond because it's different and I do want to touch on that in a bit when we talk more about fluff and all the exciting things you're doing with it and mm. please yeah take a break for a sip oh. of red wine yes important <laughs> Now, the next beauty product on your list is one or two that you would want to eat if you could. So we've got the Frank Body Original Body Scrub or Lip Scrub mm -hmm. and the Mr. Smith Sea Salt Spray. Why do you like those two? Other than that they obviously smell delicious. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, <laughs> no, I really do love the Frank Body Original Scrub and the Lip Scrub. They're really good products. They're probably my f favorites, the ones that I would recommend to people straight away and above any others. They really do work in terms of the how coarse the grinds are as an exfoliator and I think people need to take care of their lips more. People abuse them in terms of not treating them or putting terrible products on them. So, And they just smell great, probably because they have a little bit of a sweet tooth. The lip scrub kind of hits that spot. <laughs> um, and Mr. Smith is a great Australian brand. David, uh, the founder, is a good friend of mine and he managed to bottle basically going for a swim in the ocean which does amazing things for my hair and what I love the most but I've never been able to replicate that um, with any products or just washing my hair with normal water uh, so I love that product and it just smells ridiculous it reminds me of vanilla essence which I always wanted to drink from the bottle when I was a child which is Probably never a good idea no. no it tastes awful but smells amazing so those are the products that I would eat now, obviously with Frank Body, it was and continues to do so well. 
what was the moment or when did you decide that it was time to move on and do your own thing? Was it a hard decision? Yes, it was super hard. I know that it probably looked really easy because I was there one day and gone the next. But I, that business grew very quickly and we were very young or I was very young at the time. And over the three years that I was there, I learned a lot about the type of business owner that I wanted to be and even just in terms of my career where I wanted it to head. And the catalyst for me choosing to leave was that we were considering investment from an overseas company. And as part of that contract, we each had to sign on for five years as co-founders, which is pretty normal. And I guess I'd been responsible for my career and my life and situation for the last five years. And I looked down the barrel of this future where I was, I guess, contained and, and couldn't change if I wanted to. And while I saw a very successful future, it was an unhappy one. I felt like I had done everything I wanted to in that brand and that I had different ideas of where I wanted it to go. And I had to acknowledge that it wasn't my brand fully to to point in one direction. I was one of five co-founders. And it wasn't that my way was the right way either. It was just a different way. And for me, I knew that I had to either work on my own or with someone that was on that same path as me and wanting to do the same things. So it was, yeah, incredibly hard to walk away from my two best friends in a brand that I adored and felt so connected to and with Willow and Blake as well because we were under one office roof I knew that I couldn't stay there and watch Frank continue on Um, it just would have been very strange and I probably had sat on the decision for over a year and just tried to see how I would feel but I just knew that it was the right uh, decision to make Um, and I had been thinking about the idea of fluff for a little while as well, spending time in the beauty industry. I met so many founders, especially in the cosmetic space, and I knew that we needed something like fluff, particularly in Australia, but also in a global sense in terms of the audience that it targeted and the space that it filled. So how long has fluff been in the making then? Fluff has been almost two years in the making and we officially launched online towards the end of June. So not that long at all, a couple of three months or so. Yeah, but it's felt like forever. (laughs) And looking at the website, like every business you've worked on, and this was always harking back to William Blake, what you have always done so well is tone. And there is such a distinct tone with Fluff. And I think what's interesting is, as you mentioned before, while everyone else, most of the beauty industry are still targeting millennials, you've gone one step, I don't know whether it's further or one step behind, because you're targeting Gen Z, is that right? Can you just tell me a bit about who you have in mind when you create products for Fluff? Mm -hmm. So when I was at Frank Body and meeting so many beauty brands and founders and people in PR, I noticed that everyone was targeting this one specific age group which was millennials and 18 to 34 year olds which is very easy kind of obvious thing and that you can catch younger and older people on either side 
And I just kind of got tired of it. I was like, I can't have these conversations anymore. I was a bit bored, I guess you could say. And I was so interested in centennials. So anyone between, say, 16 to 20. I have three cousins who are now they're probably 14, 16 and 19. And I would love chatting to them about anything and everything. They have obviously grown up with social media and technology in a way that I haven't and I knew that if I didn't work with them or create a brand for them that they'd probably take my job one day. So I think that what I could, I could draw a parallel in that whilst they were in a very different or are in a very different environment with different noise and social pressures, I can still relate to this idea of trying to figure myself out at their age and especially I guess when you turn 18 and you're no longer a child but you're still not really an adult and there's just so much opportunity but you don't really know who you are and what you stand for and what you care about so fluff was my kind of opportunity to create a brand for them that didn't speak down to them but also didn't pretend or or show them I guess images or products or content that was too old that wasn't relevant I think that they're so I hate the word but unique like they are their own people with their own set of values and ideas and a way in which they see the world and no one was acknowledging that there's so many brands that say that they are democratic and listen to their audience but they're still pushing their own idea of beauty and of how a person should think or feel so we really wanted to flip that at fluff and instead of telling girls what to think, we ask them what they think. And you did obviously talk to a lot of people in that demographic. What were some of the things that they wanted? Like I know Fluff is obviously vegan. The environmental impact is kind of something that comes into a big consideration. Yeah, that's huge. And But for me, I don't need to nor want to hang my hat on it because I feel like it's 2018 and that should just be the standard now for brands. But it's definitely something that's important to this age group. But the biggest thing for me is they just want to be heard and no one was listening to them or no one really is listening to them. If they are, they're treating younger teenagers like they're eight, ten-year-olds like, and they're wrapping them up in cotton wool or they're just projecting the same messages as they are to a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old and there's a big gap in, in where these girls are. So it's nice for us to, I guess give them attention and credit and have adult conversations with them because they're super smart and they're super ambitious. And we basically want them to know that beauty is so much more than what their face looks like or what they put on their face, but beauty is basically in everything that they do and that we want to encourage them to um, pursue what they care about and fluff basically will help support that. We really are so much more than a makeup brand or I struggle even to say that we're a makeup brand because I see fluff as so much more. Makeup's just a kind of vehicle. It drives conversation for us. And you have some fluff customers creating content for you as well, don't you? Because I I mean, one of the things, as I said, I looked at the website and I mean, I'm 24, 25 and it was almost like some bits is another language in terms of like Mm. the slang and things like that. So how do you... How do you write for that? Uh-huh. Well, again, so I, at the beginning when we started working on Fluff with Katia, who heads up our comms, and 
we both come from a copywriting background and consider ourselves okay writers but knew that we would never be able to write the way that these girls do. It is another language in some sorts but they can see through any shit so there was no way that we were ever going to try and don a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old hat and speak like they do. So we kind of... Well, we came up with this idea that Fluff's personality was essentially a mirror and that we would just reflect what these girls were doing and hand over the reins to them. We would sit alongside and play a very loose editor role but really let them talk about what they wanted to talk about, not let us dictate that. So we've been working with these girls for over two years and they've provided all of our content that goes across our social that we use in our printed magazine they helped influence the products and our formulas and our whole branding, which is amazing as much to my business partner's dismay because he has a branding agency and never likes being told by a 16-year-old uh, what a brand should look like. <laughs> but it's been a really nice uh, creative tension and just evolution and I'm so proud of what Fluff looks like and what Fluff um, sounds like. And I know that it's different and I know that it's in its own right and people don't get it and that's great because I think if it was so obvious, everyone would copy it um, or it would only last for a minute. And you mentioned before, which I thought was really interesting, so I'd like to ask you ask you it properly, is why you said you don't want to be the next big thing with mm. Fluff, which, I mean, I feel like for a lot of beauty brands, that's maybe what they're kind of gunning for. Why, why is that? So I do, I obviously want Fluff to one day be something big that has meaning and reach, but I am very wary of Fluff being the next hot trend because that means that it'll very quickly be replaced by the next hot trend. And I have seen within the beauty industry and other industries how quickly brands come and go when they don't stand for anything, when they just have a pretty colour scheme and a trendy gimmicky product I mean they can make a lot of money in a short amount of time and if they can sell it off before then like kudos to them I hope that they live a happy life on whatever island they move to but fluff for me is something that I want to do for the next 10 20 years maybe more until I'm no longer fit or young enough or cool enough to do it <laughs> uh, and I think that to do something like that you have to have a really strong core and foundation which so many brands don't have they're too focused on growing really fast as opposed to growing strong and the next beauty product on your list which I think perfectly encapsulates your transition and what you're doing with fluff at the moment is the product that defined your teens or 20s um, which is bronzer which is most interesting because the first product that you brought out with fluff is the bronzing powder mm -hmm. so can you tell me a bit about <laughs> your initial use of bronzer and then why it was bronzing powder that mm. you went for for the first product so bronzing powder definitely defined my teenage years I remember wearing Hoola by Benefit and it was my everything and I probably wore it was probably too dark a shade in the beginning or I applied way too much uh, and was far too brown for my natural skin tone. But it was a great bronzer. I loved that it didn't have sparkles and I loved the packaging. It was just cute. It was great. I would have gone through so many boxes and there's always that question, like if you just had to wear one product, what would it be? And I was always torn between mascara or bronzer, but I chose that I didn't want to look pale. <laughs> so bronzer was it for me and then I... Um, 
as most girls do, slowly moved towards NARS Laguna and had a great love affair with that product for several years. Uh, it's beautiful, loved the packaging, amazing credibility with the brand. But then one day I woke up and just looked at my face in the mirror and wondered why it was so sparkly <laughs> and why I'd been doing that. And I still, both those products, um, they're the most popular bronzers on the market or two of, and I they deserve you know, the attention that they have got over the last however many years. But I I do believe that our bronzing powder now is, is a great alternative um, for girls and women to look at. When we were discussing what products to release for fluff, we our product philosophy essentially is a foundation without a foundation product. So the basis of what you would use covering eyes, uh, face, lips... And we were developing a bronzing powder, a mascara and a lip balm or tint for about 18 months. And the biggest thing for me was that we could provide products that were just the base of a girl's makeup routine that she could wear casually and then maybe add on some other products like eyeshadow or eyeliner if she really felt the need be. But they're kind of your sort of maybe core needs of a girl when it comes to her beauty routine that maybe she does look a little bit browner or maybe her eyelashes are a bit longer and she has something on her lips. So we wanted to start there. But again, for us, we knew that the world really didn't need more makeup. There is plenty out there, but we did believe that the world needed better makeup and still does. So it only takes like a small amount of time for people to look at the ingredient listings of most cosmetic brands out there and do some basic research as to what is good and what is bad and what you don't necessarily need to put on your skin and what your skin is absorbing every day. And I think that we spend so much time and money on so many parts of our body and our our lives, but our face is the one thing that is exposed every day that people look at, but we kind of ignore I guess, some of the ingredients or things that we are putting on our face. So that was a big thing for us to educate people but also not preach to them is to just provide as a standard an incredible product that worked, that had a trustworthy, credible formulation. So our biggest things were not having palm oil, not having talc, um, not having sparkles because it's just a bit silly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it being obviously vegan and cruelty free and I'm really proud of that bronzer because pretty much every bronzer on the market has palm oil or talc in it Um, and then the ones that don't that have really amazing natural or organic formulations usually come in a really tired daggy packaging and I really believe that to be organic or natural you don't have to go down the uh, neutral color palette or the kind of wispy fairy tale models and branding like you can have a high fashion cool brand with a natural organic formulation like those two should be able to exist together and that's fluff for us and I mean absolutely you like you said you say the word natural and you don't think of what your packaging looks like which is Mm. almost a piece of modern art in itself kind of that's the thing I mean there's just so much shit packaging out there and I 
I love that our makeup makes a statement about what you care about and who you are. It's something that you want to hold in your hand. It has weight to it. It has value to it. A lot of people I know say that it just sits on their dresser or as like a paperweight at work or they just keep it in their pocket. And we base the design of the packaging off this little grounding stone. It's a pocket cloud that Cartier had given me a few years back and you hold it and it feels so cold or cool in your hand and then it warms up as you carry it and it slides to open and it just it's almost like a little fidget thing as well. So I really wanted the the packaging in itself to be something that people were proud of and that they were happy to have on a dinner table if they were out or if their bags built open that it wasn't some shitty packaging that was covered in dirt or makeup because that's what so many people have and and also what I love about our bronzer is you drop it and it doesn't smash I think every girl has that memory of dropping say their NARS or their hula and being like oh fuck it's gone (laughs) so yeah we're kind of proud of it we're just more worried about people's toes if they drop it because it's heavy (laughs) you've you've kind of spoken about this a bit before but you're more than a makeup brand in terms of your values and your ethos, but also in the products that you sell. Because if you go to the shop section of your website, you can buy obviously the bronzer and the brush, but also a magic eight ball and a lock and things like that. What's the strategy behind that? (laughs) So yeah, we have makeup and we have stuff. And the stuff element was that I really wanted fluff to be in every aspect of a girl's world so that it wasn't just her makeup bag that fluff was in. Obviously, if... I'm walking down the street or if you're sitting across from me, unless I have fluff tattooed across my head, you don't know that I'm wearing it. Whereas if I was sitting here with my fluff beanie on or a fluff t-shirt or the fluff eight ball was there, it starts a conversation and it means that we can have fluff on a girl's locker at school. It can be in her pencil case. It can be in her wardrobe, in so many other areas where people can see the brand. I love it as well because it invites guys into the conversation about fluff where they might not have been able to participate before, not just men being able to use makeup products, but guys who support girls wearing fluff makeup because of what our product philosophy stands for, which is a much more less is more approach or a natural approach to makeup. So that's really amazing for us too. So clever. Thanks. (laughs) Now, one thing that I did find interesting is obviously you're targeting um, 16 to 20, did you say? Or do you go even younger? I mean, there's a lot of different definitions of what a centennial is. It could be anywhere between 13 to 22. Um, I think that we kind of are around somewhere between like 16 to 22. But most of my friends wear fluff. I Once I put it in front of them, like, you have to try this. They all love it. Makeup isn't really ageist in any way. You could say that with skincare, but... Our product it suits a variety of skin tones and people people love it. So, um, But our marketing and our brand is very much geared towards that younger audience. Which I do think is interesting because with the price point of the bronzer, say I think it's $53, mm-hmm. does that just come back to this quality over quantity? Yeah. We did a lot of pricing research in terms of how much girls were spending, what brands they were buying, what um, products, how they were priced competitively. 
based on our costs of the product as well. Again, it's not in a cardboard box. It is a weighted metal compact that feels amazing. The formula comes from Italy. We have spent a lot of time in tweaking that formula to not have specific ingredients in it and to have specific care ingredients. So we really stand by it. We're proud of it. We think it lasts a, a great amount of time in terms of how often you would use it and just in terms of the, the feel. Everyone who gets it is amazed by it. And we've sent out several different types of customer service reviews and questionnaires and everyone comes back with overwhelmingly positive feedback. And I didn't want to put something out there that was cheap. I mean, if... It's a really interesting thing. If you look at some products that are priced so cheaply, you have to wonder why and what their costs would be. And good ingredients do cost money. Um, but I, there's definitely more expensive products on the market too. So we, we thought we would start with this one product um, that is our kind of entry into the market and sets the, the tone or the standard for fluff. And then a lot of our other products that we'll release will kind of come in lower the bronzer will probably be the most expensive item we have. But I, I mean, I absolutely agree. And I think if you look at how makeup habits have changed through YouTube and things like that, maybe five or six years ago, a 14 or 15 year old girl wouldn't even consider buying a $60 palette. Whereas now it's kind of, if, if it's something that you're it's interested in and you put value, it's quite normal. Exactly. Exactly. And I really like this idea of dollar voting by being, say, like me putting my money towards this brand or this product is saying what I care about and whether that's ingredients and formulations or transparency from brands or even the message. There's so much that goes into that price other than just the product itself. It's everything else that Fluff is working towards and trying to provide. So it's, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think that, again, people spend a lot of money on makeup. Um, but I, I care about what I spend my money on. And I, I think that fluff is a true reflection of the value of it. Absolutely. And the next product on your list, um, the beauty product or products that you always repurchase. So a deodorant and an oil. Is that mm. right? What, what's the deal with these two? So... This is a brand, I hope I pronounce it properly. I have to say, I was getting you to say it because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm not sure how to say it. I think it's Agent Natua. Um, and that's started by this amazing woman who, she's from LA, I'm pretty sure. Her name is Jenna. And we've spoken a little bit on social media. I, I can't even remember how I came across her natural deodorant first I was searching forever for a natural deodorant because it's another product that I think people should be really wary of and consider in their beauty routine we don't think about what we put on our bodies and what's being absorbed into our skin and a lot of people are so hesitant to try natural deodorants because they, or they say they've tried one and then they stink for a week or it's just awful and it doesn't work. And there is definitely an adjustment process when you have been putting certain toxic chemicals on your body for so long that mask smells like your body's going to go through a significant change. Um, but her product is the best one. I've been using it for maybe five years now or four years. Ever since she started, I found it quite early on and I love it. Um, she is just so committed to transparency in ingredients and sustainable formulas and I guess 
dismantling beauty standards and calling some of the bigger brands on the ingredients that they use in their products. So she released a second product, which is called the Holy Oil Use Serum. So I'm obsessed with serums. It's the only thing I use on my face in terms of a moisturizing product. And I use that in the day and night. I go through way too much because I use it more like a moisturizer than a serum. I never understand how people put two drops on their fingers and pat it. I just put so much. But my skin, it just feels so natural and right for my skin. Um, there are some really expensive oils on the market and hers is, it's expensive, but it's definitely not, um, as expensive as others, but I just keep going back to it. And I love, I have an, uh, emotional connection to her and what she's trying to achieve. And with Frank and even more so with fluff, you created these brands as a kind of response. You saw a gap or it was response to something that you're seeing in the beauty industry. If you had to pick one thing that frustrates you most about the beauty industry as it currently is what would it be I mean I know you mentioned just kind of the saturation of everyone doing the same thing I think I get frustrated um, I think with the responsibility that brands have and that they abuse but also that publishers have so we seem to look after those with the biggest marketing spend who often aren't transparent with where they're formulations come from or what their products do i think that we have so many products out there again like there is no need for more and and people claim that they are cruelty free yet they still have palm oil which results in the deforestation of habitats of orangutans like it just it doesn't make sense brands are ticking boxes when they actually don't really care we have these very sensitive subjects in terms of inclusivity and gender diversity which brands I really feel like are actually abusing and yet they're being championed in the press for being inclusive when it's very obvious that they don't actually care they're just ticking a box because that's what's trendy right now is inclusivity and there are a few people in the beauty space calling brands out on that and I appreciate that. It's hard because you can't go in preaching these sort of things or, or yelling from a soapbox because you are just seen as, I guess, having a chip on your shoulder. Um, but that that is my biggest issue is what publishers publish and they don't dig deep enough. It's honestly why I'm not in journalism. I think journalism doesn't really exist anymore. I would ask most journalists when was the last time they wrote something they cared about or believed in and it's a shame because I also understand the machine um, that they operate within or the beast that they're feeding but unless someone stands for change or tries to create it it never will happen absolutely and I particularly agree with what you're saying about inclusivity just being a marketing for this for the sake of the kudos that it gets and there's a quote that I always um, actually have stuck on my desk which is Journalism is the stories that people don't want you to tell. Everyone, Everything else is just free advertising, which I think is just bang on. Yeah, I agree. Have you had any mentors over your career? Or has there been anyone in particular who has shaped you professionally or, or personally that you 
that's kind of shaped you into who you are today? I've never had any official role of a mentor, except maybe now with Fluff, I have an advisory board uh, of incredible people from different walks of life and different industries who are really guiding us on what we're trying to achieve. But before Fluff, I think I had accidental mentors or um, friends or people that I'd met in the industry who happened to always be there when I needed them. So my first boss, Charlie, was incredible and he just seems to know even today when I'm going through anything and we'll just kind of touch base. And he is very honest with me and will call me out on my shit which is amazing. You need I, someone like that. We, you really do. But he, more than anything, I think teaches me or reminds me how to be a human and how to be uh, compassionate in business and in life because things can really get to you and ego is a uh, ever-evolving beast in business and I think you need to be in check with that success and, and money can do or can bring about things that have always existed in people but that are previously kind of covered and he's always been there to kind of remind me of what to care about and what to or who to want to be. So he's been amazing and then my business partner, Charles, I have two great Charlies in my life, has also been a kind of lifelong partner, mentor for me in many different forms but he's taught me so much and we have a really incredible creative tension. We bring out the best in each other, but we both really want to change the world with the work that we do. And we, we think we're crazy enough to do that. And I really believe that we will. So I will always listen to him, not always agree with him, but he he's definitely shaped the person that I am and the businesses that I have run as well. He was across so much of Willow and Blake and Frank Body. And now in Fluff and the cafe, he was in the children's book. We've done everything together um, and I couldn't imagine life without him. The beauty product that's not obvious or unexpected, tattoos. It's intriguing. Oh, yeah. Well, when you first asked me about this podcast, I was like, I am not a big makeup or beauty girl. I was like, maybe you should reconsider your choice. But then when I went through, I was like, I do have things that I care about, but Again, and this is why we have fluff, like beauty for me is so much more than the products that you have. It's, it's everything that encompasses you externally and internally. But I have several, or maybe I have like 13 or 14 very little tattoos. I'm a try-hard tattoo person. <laughs> Nothing big just yet. But they have become a big part of me and I love them all. And I remember when I went, went to get my first one when I was 21 and I was so scared. I thought that I'd be a bad person once I got it or one of those people that people frown um, against. But I got it and I realized that I was still me. And usually with all my tattoos, there's something that I think or feel or a memory that I scribble on myself for a certain amount of time and then decide to make permanent. But I feel as though they're a part of my outfit and a part of who I am. And I, even if in 10, 20, 30 years, I will look back and be like, and I'll laugh at it or be like, I wish that wasn't there. I'll be able to remember why it was there and the time and the feeling that it represented and my mum, my mum hates them and she always says, you know, what would you think if I had tattoos or your nana had tattoos on her? And I 
always respond, I'd think that you were the coolest mum and nana ever if you were covered in tattoos. And if, if anyone wants to judge me or, or someone that I know for some scribbles on their skin, like they're probably not worth knowing. It's just a drawing, you know. It's another form of makeup. It's just there all the time. That's such a beautiful outlook on them. Mm. Do you have, if you don't mind sharing and you don't have to, do you have one that's particularly special to you? Uh, I, I honestly love so many of them. I have one of my favorite is just this little line on my like forearm, which is it's under two freckles and it basically makes a face, that kind of weird slanty face. And I love that because it's very much my kind of outlook on life and things just being like, you know, nothing is kind of good or bad. It's, it's how we think or treat um, an event or experience that determines it. So that's important to me and just kind of funny. But I have an antler um, on the inside of my arm, which was for Willow. We had an antler as part of our kind of brand for so long. And it really, for me, represented like the strength of the relationship I had with the girls. And when I realized I wanted to go out on my own, it was a big thing. I decided to get one antler because it was sort of still there and still strong. So that's important for me. But... They're all kind of mean things, and I, I like that they're little scribbles. I have a three, the one, two, three, written on the back of my elbow because I write three things down every night, something that I learnt, something that I noticed, and something that worked in the day, and that's really important to me, and I always try and break down my to-do list into just three things because to-do lists end up being a 100 dots, and then you never do anything, so... That's a thing for me, but yeah, I think tattoos are important. I think there are some awful tattoos out there, definitely, and I think you should definitely think about them before you get them and draw them on you for a while, but they can be really important. As we've gone over through this whole podcast, you have so many incredible achievements. When you look back, is there one particular one that you're most proud of or that you you kind of pinch yourself that you still don't believe that that's what you did? I can see how everything has happened or one thing has led to the other and I think I'm I'm really proud of that evolution actually and my constant challenging of myself to be better or do better. I don't want to settle for a mediocre life. I really want to keep doing things that challenge me and inspire myself and other people and I hope that I'm still working when I'm 50, 60, 70, I love that I can have an impact or affect one other person through the work that I do. And it means for me that I'm never chasing this idea of work-life balance. Like work is a part of my life. I don't really see a difference. I have some really shit days here and, and hard times, but it's all a part of it. Again, I never feel sorry for myself. I won't say to people like, this is just a reality of business and life. You you enter into it, you make a choice to do it, but you can also make a choice to work for someone else and that is also a great career path. It's one or the other and we're all in control, which is what I'm trying to say to as many people as possible. I'm super proud of the children's book that Charles and I wrote together because it was very much a love project that we just wanted to exist and to have that recognized and published was really amazing but fluff is an opportunity for me to really play out what I think success means or can mean and that's an idea that so many people chase or try to define 
and I had a really incredible businessman in New Zealand tell me this definition, which is when your head, your heart, your wallet and your soul align, that being success, which might sound a little bit cliche, but it really resonated with me in that I'm mentally stimulated by the work that we do. I'm emotionally stimulated. It tugs at my heartstrings. I know that there is potential for this brand to make money and I think that making money is not a bad thing if you put the work in it deserves to be repaid to you and in terms of my soul it's like this feels like what I should be doing there's a purpose to it and usually people only can fulfill one or two of those things they're either making a ton of money but they're not happy or there's no emotional connection or they're so passionate about what they do but they're earning a pittance you know, it's, it's hard to find all of those things or to have them align at the one time, which is why I feel like fluff is that kind of successful thing for me and we have only just begun, so that's what's really exciting. And the passion just kind of oozes, is not the right word, but just kind of <laughs> Thanks. flows out in lovely little lines all yeah. around your body. <laughs> and we've just got your final two products. You're obviously, as you've said, there is no such thing as work-life balance. Mm. You are busy. But what's the beauty product you use to treat yourself? Ah, so I think I put, did I put Little Company you there? Did. Yes. So that is a incredible, like, holistic skincare company there in Melbourne and also in Byron Bay. And I find it amazing that girls and women spend so much money on dyeing their hair, getting laser hair removal, painting their nails – facials are like I feel like they're not something people do often enough and they are so incredible like again your face is the one thing that is never covered up that you can see um so many girls and women are kind of going down this laser skin peel kind of direction and looking like aliens (laughs) sorry but it's true and I just I can't I can't go past how incredible nature is and natural formulations and it's why I love Little Company and they are beautiful people who care about what they do and you just walk out there feeling so much lighter and your skin is just like literally glowing and so that's kind of what I do to treat myself and it's so important especially through all the different seasons where you put your skin through um, you need to look after it and it requires different things at different times so I think that facials are important regular thing words of wisdom Mm. and finally uh, which is very fitting given that you're about to be sent to Beauty Island the beauty Mm. product that gives you the ultimate confidence boost or that gives you your signature look and you put the beach oh yeah so I'm my happiest uh even though I love winter like I am not afraid of the cold and I love winter fashion I am my happiest kind of in summer when I'm at the beach and just swimming like salt water does incredible things for my skin I love being in the sun I definitely love sunscreen I've learned my lessons in the past and now I am a big fan of it from day one it's just so important and even when I have a really good tan I will still wear sunscreen um but yeah it's just the best it calms me it makes my skin better my hair is so much better it's just like naturally how it should be so I feel kind of my most confident during summer when I've been when I go to the beach every day and the final question that I ask all my guests is if you could pick just one of the products that we've spoken about today to take with you to Beauty Island which one would you choose 
Probably coconut oil. <laughs> or we maybe there'll be a palm a tree and I'll just figure something out. It'll <laughs> take me forever. But yeah, it's just the best because I know that it will protect my skin from the sun. It'll hydrate me afterwards. I can eat it if I have to. I can use it as lip balm, put it in my hair. It's amazing. I think you'd be good on Survivor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. It's been so lovely, so interesting talking to you and learning all about your career and your life and and the things that you've done. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, and you've got, say, 30 seconds, I would love you to leave a five-star rating or even write a review if you fancy. Beauty Island is a very small, independent podcast, and that really helps other beauty lovers find us. Even better, tell a friend who you think would enjoy the podcast to listen and subscribe. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on the podcast, so you can find me on Instagram, at Beauty Island Podcast, Or email me. The address is in the show notes along with all the products that we've talked about today and links to where you can find Erica. Thank you very much. And until next time, bye-bye.